How many of you will just be honest with me and say, hey, the last four weeks, everything that's gone on around here, I'm a little exhausted? Anybody? All right. Well, good. I'm glad you're, some of you are being honest. Well, how many of you know that, uh, that God is going to bless what's been, what we've sacrificed in this place? Do you believe that? How many of you know that as we have sacrificed, that God has not missed a single minute or a single um, opportunity that we've given or a single hour of labor or volunteer? He hasn't missed any of it. Amen? So thank all of you for helping out. We're going to return to what God's called us to do in this city. We're also going to continue to incorporate some of what we've learned over the last four weeks, these vital tools for both evangelism and discipleship. They're going to become a part of who we are. It uh, doesn't mean we're going to be doing uh, the schedule that we've had before. But I believe that this extreme schedule that we experienced was important to shift the culture of who we are as a church. And it's not going to change our vision or our mission, but it begins to create a lifestyle among us where we, we realize that there's more to this than just coming to church, right? And, and deciding that we're going to go to the church that, we're most, that excites us the most or is doing the most things in the community. That's great. But how many of you know that you are the church? I think you'll be awake by the end of this. How many of you know that we are the church? And if we're not doing what the church is called to do, then the church is not going forward. Even if we build another building and expand campuses and, and plant churches, if me and you are not doing what God calls us to do, then the church is not advancing. Right? I was weak, amen. That's all right. We're going to start in John 12. I want to preach specifically on something that I feel like some of us tonight may be um, wrestling with. And I want to teach you a new perspective on something that you've encountered. How many of you in this place, every single one of you at one time or another in your life, somebody did their best to beat you down? Has anyone ever attacked you? Has anyone ever come against you? Has anyone ever lied on you? Anybody? I've lied on half of you, so I, at least half of you should be raising your hand. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Appreciate that. How many of you have ever felt like, you know what, somebody did me wrong? And how many of you have responded with love and peace, kindness? You know, I was thinking about this the other day. What is it inside of us? And I've noticed that it doesn't go away when we become Christians. It's not like it just magically disappears when you say that cute little prayer one, one, one evening or one early, you know, one service at the altar. And you say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, and God comes into your life, and it's a wonderful thing that happens with salvation. But how many of you know that our response to the way people treat us somehow does not get magically transformed overnight? Anybody? If you're like me, I oftentimes feel this like fire in my belly if somebody does me wrong. And I start thinking of ways to get them back. Anybody do that? Y'all are lying tonight. This, this is like the Republican debate. Everyone's calling each other liars. <laughs> He's a liar. She's a liar. We're all liars. 
I, I, I am not maybe predisposed as bad as some folks to respond a certain way. But I figure out a way. My mom was joking with me the other day. When somebody upsets me, I, I'm not going to, like, you know, attack them. But oftentimes I store it. And I use my words like a scalpel. Just at the right time. A little Zorro with the tongue. And, and that's my way of responding to it. Yours might be violence. Yours might be... Uh, you know, keep you up at night. But we, we have to change our perspective on what it looks like when people come against us. And so I've got this really great mindset change I want to kind of get in your, in your head tonight that will help you, not just help you, but will totally change your perspective on when people come against you, how to respond. All right? Let's go to John 12. It's not going to be long, I promise, kind of. Now, there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. Uh, this is specifically talking about the Passover celebration in Jerusalem. There was between two and two and a half million people that were at this feast that they're talking about. Two to two and a half million people. Now, I don't think anybody in this room has been in a crowd that big. If so, very few of us. Two to two and a half million people were at this Passover celebration in Jerusalem, the feast. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, how many of you know that the Passover celebration was not a Greek festival? It was a Jewish celebration. It was a Jewish feast. This was a Jewish custom. This was not Greek. So we see these Greeks, these Gentiles, that are now coming and they're wanting to see Jesus. So Philip came and he told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip came and they told Jesus. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now what you're going to find throughout the New Testament is time after time after time, Jesus is, is, uh, has an opportunity to be glorified by man. They want to make him king. They want to do this. They want to do that. And time after time, you'll read, I think there's at least five or six different uh, scriptures where he says, my time has not come. My time has not come to be glorified. My time has not come to be what the prophets wrote about and prophesied about. My time has not come. But there's something about what's going on in this story that is, it's like the hour has come, that moment in time, that opportunity for Jesus to be glorified has come. And so Jesus says, he says, my hour has come for the Son of Man, or the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in the, in the world will keep it to life eternal. And if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. All right, so I'm going to break that down for you, but I want to read that out to you. So they're at a Passover feast. These Greeks come up, talk to Philip. 
They say, Philip, we want to talk to Jesus. And Philip goes to Andrew and says, Andrew, they want to talk to Jesus. And then Philip and Andrew bring Jesus to the Greeks. And Jesus says what becomes basically his almost his final public ministry. These are some of the final things that Jesus is saying. And he's, he's really talking about what's getting ready to happen with his own life. And so he says, he says, I'm getting ready to be glorified, but he is actually going to be glorified by being crucified. Are you with me? He's going to be glorified by being crucified. Now, can you imagine you're waiting your entire life, you have this promise of your life that one day you're going to be king, or one day you're going to be this, or one day you're going to be that, and when the hour finally comes for that to happen, they say, in order for you to become king, we're going to crucify you. And so this begins, this begins a paradox. If you don't know what a paradox is, it's two things, or one that causes something else that don't seem to go together. That's an easy way to describe it. So he's glorified by being crucified. And he uses that system to describe in, in this. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, then it bears much fruit. Now, we don't oftentimes associate death with life, death with productivity, right? If you've ever buried a loved one, you don't expect them to go earn a paycheck the following week, right? There's, no, there's nothing more to be had by their life other than the memories and the love you have for them. But after they die, their life, their, their productivity, their ability to bear fruit here on the earth is done, and so it doesn't seem to make, be make, make sense. And this is the paradox here. It says, unless that grain of wheat falls into the ground, it really is worthless. Unless that grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it's worthless. It's just a grain of wheat. If you've ever seen a grain of wheat, there's not much you can do with it. You can't, you can't bake a loaf of bread. You can't produce anything from it. And so Jesus is comparing both his life, but really our life here on the earth to that grain of wheat. And he's saying, unless you're willing to die, then nothing can really be, become productive from your life. The promise for your life can't be fulfilled. This is a real up sermon, let me tell you, right? Everyone's just ready to run around the church. Let's die. Everyone's going to die, <laughs> right? But, but Jesus is, is, is giving a portrait of something, and I want to I tie this into what I talked to you earlier today about. But recently, now maybe this will make sense for you. Recently, I read something on Facebook that's going to just hopefully open your mind up. And it said this. It said, they tried to bury us, but they didn't know we were seeds. They tried to bury us, but they didn't know we were seeds. Now, I'm going to take everything that anybody's ever done for you or towards you or against you, and I want to make sense of it. Because you can take all the abuse, you can take all the stuff people have done against you and against me, the lies, the, the hurt, the disappointment, all of that, and you can stay wounded on the ground, grasping for air and complaining about the world is against you, or you can allow what people do to you 
to kill the things that are inside of you that are preventing you from really grasping a hold of what God has for your life. You can allow those things to die so that you can become like a seed and produce the promises of God for your life. Now listen to me. Jesus not only provided life, but he provided life for all mankind. He provided life for eternity. He provided what we call eternal life. He provided something that will never, ever die. He died so that he could give us eternal. The opposite of death is not just life, but the opposite is eternal life. So he died so that he could provide eternal life to you and me. See, in our carnal minds, in our natural minds, walk, that's the way we walk around. We walk around thinking with our natural minds most of the time. In our natural minds, when people screw us over, maybe that's a bad way to put it, but some of us have been that. Very, when they mess us over bad, in our natural minds, we think that by allowing them to produce something good in our lives and not getting back at them, not shooting another arrow back in their direction and going back and forth with them. We think that that is weak. We think that that over time that will kill us. We think that as we allow them to do that and, and we don't fight back, that we're weak, that we are lifeless, that we have no backbone, and we just are going to wither and die because we're such little weaklings and wimps. But the paradox is this. These two opposing forces that work together. If you allow that to go on in your life and you turn to Jesus and you say, Lord, what can I learn through this? How can I walk through this the way you would walk through it? How can I allow the things in my life that I want to get out of my life to die because of what this person's done? That while they're burying you, you are germinating in the soil. Are you with me? Do you get what I'm getting at here? While they are slamming you over the head, digging the hole, and burying you in the soil, and laughing their way to the car, your roots are beginning to go down. You know, I think there's a reason that God compares his life to a, a, more than just what we're talking about, the fact that he died. But the, the, the Bible also says that, I, and I believe this truly, as he began to believe that as his, his blood would run down onto the ground, and I just think that it's so, it's so picturesque that, that we as, as, we as uh, men and women of God have to dig deep. We have to go down before we can come up. Are you with me? We have to build and grow roots before we can sprout up. And something is happening below the soil before you ever see that seed pop out of the ground. And that's usually, that's usually the point where you and me were like, no, 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 I can't take you anymore. They buried me, I'm coming out. And we just uproot these things in our lives. We take, it's beginning to germinate and we're beginning to grow roots and that taproot is going down and beginning to get nutrients and we're beginning to almost begin to peak above the surface and begin to grow into something that can produce fruit in our life and get, produce the happiness and joy that we've always wanted. And because of our impatience, because of our inability to allow God to produce something in our life and understand the process, when we don't understand that it takes time to show something above the surface, we often time abort mission and we pull it up before anything comes up think about a farmer that doesn't know it takes two weeks to germinate a seed you know every seed has a different germination period 
And my mom, when she's planting gardens before, she'll take the little tabs that she got with the, with the, um, the seed packets and she'll put them in line so we know what's what and we know what's going to come up when. Can you imagine if the carrots came up in a week and the cabbage comes up in two weeks, that when the carrots came up and the cabbage wasn't up, we just rooted the ground. We just tilled it in because it's not producing it in the time we expected it to. But if you understand the process of the death, burial, and then what? Resurrection of Jesus and how he wants to see that happen in your own life. He wants to see those things in your life that are holding you back die. He wants to see them buried and he wants to see you resurrected and produce and bear much fruit just like, just, just like that wheat that we're talking about in the scripture. When you understand the process, then when you don't see anything coming above the surface, you're okay with it because you realize I'm digging roots. Do you know how many people over the years I've seen totally abort mission when they were this far away of producing what they've been working so hard for in their life? I've seen people that have served, that have served, that have served, that have denied themselves of things that they know, they know was bad for their life. And, and it's not, I'm not just talking about drugs or alcohol, but any of us can have those vices, those things in our life that we say, you know, this is no good for me anymore. It might be a group of friends that we cut off. It might be a colleague that has a bad influence in our life. It might be whatever it is in your life. And we just, maybe, maybe a television show that just we know we shouldn't be involved with. And so we begin to root these things out of our life and we get almost to the point where God begins to do something special in our life where we begin to produce fruit and we abort the whole thing because we're impatient in the process because some of us don't really believe that God wants to allow us to be seeds when we're buried beneath the, 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 the rubble of people's lives. Are you with me? And so in this scripture, you see, it says, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And the first thing I want to point out to you, and I'm not going to go into all of them, but, but life comes through death. Life comes through death. That's the first paradox. Life comes through death. Life comes from a willingness to deny and allow yourself to, to not fight back when other people come against you. It comes from you being willing to say no to things in your life that have, that have destroyed opportunity after opportunity. And then verse 25, it says, he who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in the world will keep it to life eternal. This doesn't make sense. It's another paradox. It's like whoever wants to keep their life needs to lose it. Sounds fabulous. And those that try to keep their life will lose it. Make sense of the lyric that we sing from that song, Head to the Heart. It says, there's no shame in looking like a fool when I give you what I can't keep to take a hold of you. Because if you think you can hold on to your life, and so many of us, so many of us are trying to hold on to the things in our life, and, and we think we're holding on to it, and what we really get is no life at all. When we learn to actually surrender, it's, it's this. This is kind of the second part of this sermon. Life comes through death, but life also comes through an exchange with him. God wants to exchange your life for his, but in order for him to exchange your life with his, you have to be willing to let it die. I'm glad we already took up the offering. Hey, let me tell you this right now. Every 
person, man or woman that I've ever seen do anything great went through something very difficult in their lives. Most of them, one difficult thing after another. And through that, they allowed God to take those things and to kill the things in their life that prevented them from entering into the promises of God, the, the full destiny of God in their life. They allowed those things to be killed and they emerged from it, not ready to, to shoot back the other way, but to look forward to the future of God in their life. And they walked in that and not in the past of hurt and mistakes and pain and what people did to them. Listen, Heidi Baker's gonna be here in two months. She had a man who they were helping. This is public knowledge. In one month. She's going to be here in one month. Whatever. They're not listening anyways. I'm just kidding. One month. She's going to be here in one month. The 18th and 19th and 20th. The 18th through the 20th. And she had a man that they basically pulled up from, the, from a place of great poverty, poured their life into, that raped their daughter. that Heidi had to one day look in the eyes and forgive. She tells a story of a man who was brutally murdered. I think he was a police officer or a local security officer, a security officer that was, uh, did security for them. He was brutally murdered by a, thug, by, by a bunch of Muslim thugs that beat him up, and, and God raised him back from the dead he was laying dead in the hospital. God raised him back up from the dead, and he came back to the tent, meet, to tent uh, outreach that they were doing, found the people that beat him up, and looked down and forgave them and led them back to Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oral Roberts had a son that committed suicide. Almost every great man or woman, especially in ministry, have gone through the most horrific things. You'd say to yourself, well, I've been through horrific things like that. What's the difference? Because they realized that they were a seed. And when people buried them, and when people came against them, and when people were angry against them, they stayed where they were. They didn't fight back. They build roots in the word of God and in his promises for their life. And after a while, they produce something great. That's the difference between you and I and them. But we're not dead yet. We can still allow these things in our life to produce something beautiful and amazing. So life comes through an exchange, and life comes through service. That's verse 26. It says this. It says, and I'm going to finish up here in a moment. It says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus came to this earth, and while he was here, he served humanity. He exchanged his life for ours. He died and allowed his life to become a living sacrifice. I mean, this, this is the most unbelievable, like, I want to put this in, in the best terms possible. If you can get this and not allow the terminology to 
allow your mind to reject this based on the terminology. Because when I ask you to die, we go places in our minds and we shut this whole thing down. We shut this scripture down. Entire denominations and churches take John 12, 20 through 26, and they literally throw it out the window because they don't want to tell their people that they have to do anything that looks like sacrifice, anything that looks like purification, anything that looks like taking and finding things in their life that aren't of God and getting rid of them, anything that looks like allowing people that, that have come against you to just do what they have to do and still keep your eyes focused on God. And so we've thrown this whole thing out, but I promise you, if you will learn this, God will produce something great in your life. My wife and I went through a crazy year. You've heard me tell stories about it. I mean, just insane. And it wasn't just our daughter and her being born early in the two months we spent in the hospital and all that. We just had a crazy, I was recapping it the other night. We had, we had two, in two months, we had two dogs that died. We had, I broke my thumb, I broke my toe. We had an ant infestation in our house. Our, our bottom floor of our house flooded with sewage. We had an air conditioner go down, and then two days later, another air conditioner went down. And when it went down, it flooded our entire upstairs um, master closet and got our clothes and our shoes all wet. Um, let's see what else happened. No, oh, I had, I had two different um, root canals in that two-month period. It was literally anything that could go wrong. It was unbelievable. And we, we opened it up by having one dog pass away, and we closed that two-month period off with the other one going. And it was so clear to me that with what we went through this past year that we could look at it one of two ways. We could say, Lord, where are you? Or we could say, oh, these roots are getting strong. I don't know what God's getting ready to produce, but it's going to be really big and mighty. And when you go through something and people come against you and people lie, people cheat, people say things about you behind your back, people don't fulfill promises that they said they were going to fulfill, you can look at it one of two ways. You can think to yourself, how can I get them back and still stay saved? Which is impossible. Or can I change my perception on maybe, maybe, Instead of being something that is just laying on the ground wounded, waiting to fight back, maybe I'm a seed. And maybe when they heap fertilizer, if you know what I mean, natural fertilizer on me and dirt and push me down below the surface, lower than I've felt in a long time, just maybe if I allow my life to be a seed like God asked me to be, the way he sent his son to give the example to be, maybe, just maybe, all of the things that God's promised me will come from their nonsense. Amen. You might say, but what, do I just let people push me around? Do I just let people do? Listen, you don't have to give people permission to push you around or be nasty to you. The world is full of people waiting to tick you off. And just when you think you've conquered one person that has made you mad, that God will send their mentor. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was funny. After Sean Foyt preached on Sunday, he was talking about those dri this one driver that was in front of us and how mad it made him that, that was from New York. 
and how they, you know, just, they'd literally just like act like they were turning and slow down. And then they would go back in the center of the road and all that kind of crazy stuff. And I was with them when that happened. Well, don't you know the Lord sent about six more of those the next day? <laughs> There's always going to be plenty of opportunities for you and I to get off track with what God's called us to do. And the reality is, is that 99% of believers allow it to happen. And the 1% that learn this lesson, the 1% that understand that this is a part of Jesus's plan for our life, to be able to take these things and to flip them on their head and to allow it to produce something great in our life, the 1% that actually learn that are the 1% that are changing the world. Um... I, uh, I'm going to read Colossians 3. You don't have to turn there. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The reason I love this scripture is that word hidden. It denotes protection. It denotes safety. It speaks of something that many of us are searching for in our life, that, that stability, that protection, that safety. And if you're willing to die and trust God and allow yourself to be placed in his hands, and the Bible says, for you died, but your life is hidden with Christ. And I want to help you really just leave here tonight with this one thing. When they tried to bury you, they didn't know that you were a seed. You might say to yourself, well, God created me a seed, but you have to act like you're a seed. You have to understand the process and stop uprooting the harvest that God wants to pour out in your life. You have to stop aborting mission when you've gone this far and you have this much further to go and you abort mission because you don't understand that everything God works in your life is a process and takes time. If you'll do that, if you'll do that, that seed will be a mighty oak tree. That seed won't ever be able to be swayed again. That seed will stand firm through the most difficult storm. I want to speak specifically as I close to some of you men and ladies that are with us that are in, in, in one of our programs here. I want to speak specifically to you. Don't abort what you've started. Listen. Just, just because you start to see that thing peek through the surface of the soil, you start to see that little leaf, one leaf come up, don't, it still hasn't produced the harvest yet. I feel like so many of us are excited because it's been a long time since we've seen something green in our life and we see one little leaf pop up and we just, we just take off. But there, it, this is a process and you have to get to a point in your life where you're strong enough to be able to hold the fruit. Now, I want to show you this. My, at my house, we planted fruit trees last year and one of them got so much fruit, but it was too small. It was too young. And it broke the branches off because I allowed it to bear fruit too early. And what I should have done was I should have taken some of the fruit off and let it bear the fruit it can handle. And I think that's a good picture for you to look at. God wants 
to restore all of the things you've lost, guys and girls. He wants to restore all the things you've lost. He wants to take all the things that have been done against you, all the things that have made you a victim. He wants to take all of the things and he wants to produce a great harvest in your life. But it takes time. And in the process, you're going to have to die a little bit. Are you with me? Now, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to all of us. But I want to specifically tell you that. Do not abort the mission. If you leave early because somebody made you mad, then you have taken the seed and ripped it out of the ground. You have not allowed yourself to be buried and become a seed. If you leave because somebody did something to you or a case manager wronged you or whatever it may be, then you are just ripping it out of the ground. And you're not allowing what they've done to be the very thing that you germinate in and produce a harvest in your life. Father, we just thank you. You can stand to your feet. My dad's going to be speaking on Sunday, so we'd love to have you at either service on Sunday. So let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for, Lord, that you um, have given us the perfect example. That, Lord, as we die to the things in our life that have oftentimes distracted us and held us back, as we even uh, allow those things in our life to die, that just come alive when people, people have wronged us. People have come against us. Will we stop focusing on that one person that has done so wrong to us, that has distracted us, that's taken us off our relationship with you and our course with you, and we can realize that what they've done to us is exactly the conditions you need to produce something great in our life. So, Lord, let us see that soil and that fertilizer for what it is. An opportunity for us to put down roots and to produce a harvest in our life. Lord, let us die so that we can be hidden in your hand, protected and stable, not worrying about every storm that comes. Let us learn not to abort the mission early and pull up, Lord, what hasn't produced what you want to produce from it. We thank you, Jesus, that the scripture so clearly paints a picture of what we're to do with our lives. So God, we, we tonight, we declare that although they tried to bury us, they didn't know we were seeds. So God, tonight, we don't become just wounded victims, but Lord, we allow the things that have come against us and hurt our lives to turn us into the seeds that you want to use to produce something great. Let us leave here, Lord, with this burning in our hearts so the next thing that comes our way, Lord, even the things that have been done to us in the past, that we can allow those things to do what you've given us the opportunity to do. We thank you, Lord, that they didn't know we were seeds, but tonight we leave here seeds. So we say bring it on. Bring on the dirt. Bring on the dung. Bring on the, all the stuff you want to throw at us because it's just going to make us stronger. In Jesus' name, amen.